With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Cartier. The Cartier Tank Watch was born in 1917 of a powerful vision. The culmination of a lengthy design process that swept aside traditionally round watches of the time. Rectangular with geometric lines and a sleek profile, it revealed a powerful design that was destined to become a watchmaking icon. Shop the tank collection and more from Cartier's Culture of Design at Cartier.com. Welcome to Who What Wear with Hilary Kerr, your direct line to the designers, stylists, beauty experts, editors, and tastemakers who are shaping the ever-evolving world of fashion. I'm your host, Hilary Kerr, and today I'm speaking with two of the most talented and prolific stylists in the game, members of the Hollywood Reporter's 25 Most Powerful Stylists in Hollywood list for 10 consecutive years, Rob Zangardi and Marielle Hain. The powerhouse duo is responsible for the fashion styling behind celebrated artists and longtime clients like Gwen Stefani and, of course, Jennifer Lopez. They're here to dish on their early work together. We talk about Rihanna music videos, what it's like designing costumes for a Jennifer Lopez tour, and their latest jewelry collaboration with Frey. It's all coming up on Who What Wear. I am so excited to have you on the podcast. We've been talking about this for like 90 years. Welcome (laughs) to the show. So I am really delighted to chat with you about all of your incredible work together. You obviously have some legendary longtime clients. But before we get into all of that, can we talk about your meet cute? Because I heard that you guys met when you were working in the wardrobe department of MTV, but I've actually never heard the story. So I would love to know the details. How did you guys meet? First of all, thank you for having us. You know, we're huge fans of yours and the podcast. So thank you. Uh, Well, we actually didn't meet while working together. You're correct. We did meet in the wardrobe department at MTV, but they were at different times. I moved from Ohio, grew up in Columbus, moved to New York shortly after college and ended up a job at MTV. And this was like the height of sort of TRL, pop culture, Uh. all of it, the Britneys, the NSYNCs, the whole thing. And there was a wardrobe department of three people. I was one of them. I kind of had this opportunity with Carson Daly, who ended up getting his own late night show over at NBC. Mm -hmm. And this was, again, like Carson was like the biggest thing at the time. You know, we were doing like covers of magazines and the whole thing. And he was launching this new show and brought me over as a costume designer. So I was able to like leave my job at MTV and kind of start that and then keep going with the freelancing that I was doing from a lot of the celebrity people that I had met at MTV. And when I left shortly after Marielle 
took my, well, she didn't take my job, but like, <laughs> she was one of those three stylists who ended up in the wardrobe department. Suchin Pak was one of my people that I dressed, who we're all still friends today. Rob came back to visit Suchin, and somehow we were all in our room. Each of the VJs had their own closets slash room where we got ready and we kept their clothes. I met Rob. We were just, you know, hanging out, talking about who knows what. And he's like, well, I have to go prep some jewelry for a job. And I was like, I have some jewelry. Do you want some of mine? Which is not very like me to just meet somebody and then <laughs> offer them my, no. my jewelry stash. <laughs> I mean, we just got along immediately. And when I left MTV, my first big client was Rihanna. And it was the beginning of her big boom, so to speak. I called Rob and I was like, she's coming to town. I'm still prepping. At this we, point, I had moved to L.A. Yeah, he was already in L.A. I think it was um, So You Think You Can Dance. So I was like, I'll send the clothes. Can you get her dressed for me? At that time, I was like, anything but letting anybody else dress her. Like I was like, just trying to hold on. She's my first. Yep. Pass it over to Rob. I was like, I'll be there next week. We're doing a video. We have a cover shoot. We have a commercial do you want to work with me? Like, can we do this together? I had no clue about LA. I didn't know my way around. So get to LA and we're just like full on in it. Driving around. We both were smoking cigarettes at the time, <laughs> singing Alicia Keys songs at the top of our lungs. Like life was great. I'm in LA. I'm like living at La Mantra's Hotel. And that was our first week where we did the umbrella video. And then we oh. did a cover girl shoot and a complex magazine cover. And then it just kept going. It was just back to back to back to back. Just kept going. And we had such a good time. We were like, should we just do this? And here we are. Did you think about, like, had either of you had a work partner like that or had some sort of partnership like that? Because it's also like at that moment in time, it was not super common no. for stylists to work together. No, it wasn't. I had a slightly similar, like, I mean, technically I was his assistant, this guy, he goes by Groovy Lou, which he is a legend himself. He used to style Biggie and came up in that whole era with Nisa Hilton Brim. And so i that's where I started. And I was his assistant, but then quickly realized that he needed a manager, an agent, and everything. And I wound up doing all of it because a lot of these people were his friends and they'd be like, hey, can you shoot my album cover? Here's some money. And then he would hand it to me. And I'm like, that's not enough. Uh, <laughs> I think we need more. I think you need help. I think I'm just going to take this over. And then that was me learning. Like I learned mm -hmm. in real life, in real time, not just from an assistant perspective, but from the whole perspective, being the person who's negotiating rates and, and the budgets and managing the calendar. And then at the same time, we were working out of the Source Magazine office and we were producing 14 to 18 pages of editorial content for them. So it was a really intense start for me, which I think helped, you know, with how the industry is, especially in music. It's funny too, like at the time you, you mentioned Hillary, there weren't a lot of sort of duos mm -mm. or partnerships. And we each had separate agents at the time too, which in the beginning was a little confusing because it's like your agent's booking this, my agent's booking this. I remember this moment where we were like, we're actually going to do this. Let's do this together. We want to do this. We're in for the long haul. 
And like, I remember going to my agent and be like, okay, so I have this girl, like, we're going to do this together. Like, this is what it is. And I remember them being like, it'll never work. <laughs> like, it's just like, it'll never work. And then we went to Marielle's agent and it was kind of the same thing. They were like, well, what would we do with two people? Like, how does this even work? How do you pitch it? How do you pitch it? Yeah. Which is really interesting. Cause then we ended up calling who's like a, you know, a lifetime idol of both of ours, Andrea Lieberman. Ah. And we were having this conversation with her, like, what do we do? Like, you know, we want to do this. And, you know, she had all the clients at the time who like we saw growing up that we were like, oh shit, she's the one. Mm -hmm. And she, she was a mentor to both of us. Like, you know, at one point tried to scoop up Marielle earlier in the, in our career before we had met. And then we had met her and she kind of was just like, come to the agency that I'm at. And she like set us up a meeting and she's been super supportive of us since day one. And she, you know, and still, and still, you know, we mm -hmm. still talk to her. She's still trying to figure out what's next for us. <laughs> I don't know. She's somehow invested <laughs> I love uh, in our careers, which we love. And, you know, we owe our partnership sort of to her. She had the vision. She saw what you guys wanted she to had do. The so let's go back to that umbrella shoot. Can you take me behind the scenes? What was that like? Oh Did God. you feel like you knew what you were doing? Did you know that it was a moment that people were going to talk about for the rest of your lives? I don't think we realized. Probably not. <laughs> no, because it was kind of a shit show <laughs> in the sense that like, it was a huge video. It was the first time she did a feature with Jay-Z and there was water elements. There was fire. There was like, we had to do fire retardant on the clothes and everything was just coming at green us. Green screen. So green screen. It was like literally <laughs> everything you could throw at somebody in one video. As far as wardrobe <laughs> challenges, we had latex. Latex broke. Like, it was a lot of things. And I think it was her first video that she chopped her hair short. So it was like mm -hmm. definitely a moment in the making, but I definitely don't think we realized that in the moment. You know, I think I can still to this day taste the pyro in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and when I hear the song, I get a little bit of that like flashback uh, sensory yeah. smell. You do have flashbacks from music videos. Yes, They're always. Of, all of them. It's like, you know, the ones that you're shooting at three o'clock in oh the God, morning. And cold and freezing. Rihanna's in a water tank. And, you know, and we're freezing and only can imagine what she's going through. But you have those, uh, you hear those songs on the radio still 10 and years you start later shivering and have like PTSD. It's like a wormhole directly back yeah. to that shoot. So obviously you had tons of incredible moments with Rihanna. What are some of the biggest standouts for the two of you where you look back and you're like, yeah, we did that. I mean, I see some of them on Instagram that I assume that you're still proud of, but I'm curious what really like hits you in the heart. I mean, the umbrella video. I mean, definitely umbrella. For sure. I think, you know, for me too, and I don't want to speak for Mariel, but it was a lot of firsts for me. You know, even though we had both kind of come up in music and both been dressing a lot of talent, it was the first time someone, you know, like the Met Ball, you know, like those sort of big opportunities of where your client is really making such a big fashion statement. And it was funny too, like, I think there was a lot of moments that we would look back on now, you know, even album covers and just like the stories that we were kind of referencing PTSD. But at the same time, like there's on the other side of just like, you know, going to like couture week and fashion weeks. And there were so many, you know, and they were the first for Marielle and I too, you know, it's like normally we were doing it 
you know, either by ourselves or with an assistant. And then to like, be able to share that opportunity with like your best friend and partner was like a really fun thing. I think it was also nice to be able to, speaking of first, first time we got to use designers, you know, it's like all the big designers we hadn't really been able to use before. And I remember a defining moment of like making a breakthrough where I think it was the VMAs we requested from everybody, all the big designer names. And a lot of people were like, well, we're dressing another similar R&B singer. And it was a lot of that. And I just remember being like, so you can't dress more than one R&B singer? Like, I, I remember that. And then after the the VMAs. Where she won everything. <laughs> she won everything. Yes. But she also was now, we were being invited to all of Milan Fashion Week. Three weeks later, same designers that were called out. I'm not going to name names. <laughs> but it turned around within three weeks. <laughs> I mean, that has to be so rewarding, though, when you're like, I knew she was this. Yeah moment this force Huge. and i'm sorry it took you so long to catch up but yeah. i'm glad that we're all here yeah now. exactly no hard feelings but like i told you so like you know now you so. cut to she's on everyone's mood boards yeah that's incredible very proud of her so i also want to talk about your relationship with gwen stefani who from everything i've read seems to have complete faith in the two of you and trusts you with a ton of creative freedom so i'm curious if you can talk about how that relationship has evolved over time because you know you guys have worked together for a long time and she had such an iconic look before she worked with you and i'm curious about that process of evolution if you could talk to that a little bit Going back to Andrea Lieberman, obviously, Andrea worked with Gwen for many, many years and talk about mood boards. Gwen's fashion was on every mood board for every artist forever, still to this day. And Andrea was moving on to start her own stuff. And she was doing, you know, her own clothing line and jewelry line and was kind of figuring out what was next for her. And she actually was the one that recommended us to Gwen. So we got that phone call which was exciting. <laughs> and it was, they were bringing back No Doubt again. So it was an opportunity for us to kind of tap into her old ska punk days, but make it more today. And that's kind of how we started with Gwen. I know like Marielle's always been a huge Gwen fan too. Huge. So when we got that call, I remember her like full geeking out. Same with Jen too. <laughs> Gwen and Jen. I remember, I mean, to go back a little bit in time, when I was in high school, it was Gwen and J-Lo. And they were the, like the hottest girls and their videos were incredible. And I just remember sitting there going, I want to do that. I don't know what that is, but that's what I want to do. Went to school yep. for design. I told my teachers, I want to do this. I want to do music videos. They're like costume design. I was like, no, it's not costume design. What is it? What do you call it? Nobody could like <laughs> tell me what it was. There wasn't a word for it that was well known at that point. There also wasn't the internet. Oh my like, God. This is pre-internet. So it's like even, you know, <laughs> like not to age ourselves, but we have those conversations with our, you know, our assistants or people that have kind of come up with us. Like, how did you know this job existed? Like you kind of had to have those dreams. Even like, you know, me growing up in Ohio, like I knew that Madonna had somebody <laughs> who like dressed her you know, for something, but, yeah. but it wasn't a job. And you there was no way to find out who those people were. Nope. They weren't being written about in magazines. Nope. Tabloids weren't a thing yet. They were just starting because I remember being on the 
who were better being on the worst side of the tabloids in the beginning of our career. And I was just like, oh, oh, my God, that hurts. She does not look worse. Well, it was funny, too, because we used to joke, too, like sometimes you, we would like dress Rihanna in something and it was like worst dress in the back of an Us Weekly and like Vogue's best dress best. of the week. Same outfit. All the yeah. time. All the time. Yeah. All the time. We had that happen to us in those early Who What Wear days where we're like, it girl and like <laughs> yes. feature the look and it's literally like being torn apart in a tabloid. <laughs> yeah. And it's just that weird disconnect moment yeah. where you're like, they're not fashion people. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> so let's talk about some of your favorite looks that you've created with Gwen. Do you each have a favorite? Are there those moments where you're like, yes, we really like we got this. This one was amazing. I would say Vegas. Yeah, her Vegas for me, show. It was a really her Vegas show. I don't know if you had the opportunity to see it, but it was broken up into sections where she had her like throwbacks to the days where Marielle's fanning mm-hmm. out in her bedroom <laughs> as a kid. And then back to the punk days. So we we were able to do, you know, kind of like a, this is your life. Yeah. Up to the country at the end. We did kind of like a country doll baby, mm-hmm. like whole little fun setup. So that would probably be mine. Same. So can we talk about designing for stage and creating for stage and styling for stage versus like a red carpet? I mean, she has to like move and dance and do things like what is the process like when you're doing something for stage like Vegas? And how is it different than a red carpet moment? It couldn't be any more different. It's, you know, red carpet. You're just like you just have to look good for a couple hours and stand still and take a good (laughs) picture and find your best angle. And on stage, you have to move, sing, breathe, dance, run, quick change, gag. If there's a gag involved, it's like your brain has to open up all these different files that all have to connect in order to make it successful. And a lot of times the gag is on wardrobe. No pressure for us. But it's like, how do we go from (laughs) this look to that look on stage in three seconds. And be able to oh. see it from, you know, whatever, a hundred yards back. I remember like one of like back in my MTV days dressing somebody and they were like, well, I can't wear a belt because it'll scratch my guitar. There's so much of that stuff where you're just like, there's like every oh. single thing needs to be checked off. Your corset can't be too tight. Otherwise you can't sing. So many technical things. Oh yeah. There's so much. So how long does that process take then? You mean of putting together like a Vegas show? Yeah. Yeah. Or a performance? Months. Months. It should take months. You don't always get that. Gwen's we did in two weeks, basically. I mean, we we started talking creatives months in advance, but sometimes the show changes creatively, you know, especially for Gwen. She's so involved in her costumes. So, and the choreography is still in motion. And a lot of times choreography dictates what shoes she's going to wear or what she can wear in general. So right. a lot of those things, you know, it should take a couple months. But sometimes it takes two weeks. <laughs> I would say like 50% of the looks were kind of locked early. And then as like Mariel said, as the show kind of continues or once they get on stage, the songs change or the, you know, it's mm-hmm. like some things work and some things don't. It's an evolving process. Yeah. yeah. So do you like it when you have those sort of wild and weird challenges and parameters? or? Would you just prefer like you could do whatever you want? Because I weirdly feel like sometimes for me in my own creative endeavors, when I can do whatever, 
more that pressure. Weirdly more, yeah, it's more challenging in some ways. And sometimes like having all of those specific constraints, I think can yield greater creativity, but I have no idea what your process is like. So which would you prefer? I think it's a little of both. Yeah. I, we also anticipate it. You know, it's like, mm. there's a little bit of right. like, sometimes that creativity comes, like you said, when you're not expecting it. Mm-hmm. I think for us, because we came up in music, you kind of anticipate those kinds of challenges always. So you know that you have backup options and you know that a zipper is going to break. So we have a zipper on standby with a tailor. All that stuff is all there. Like at the show? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All that. I love that you have to be so creative and then also so wildly practical and think of every possible thing that could go wrong at the same time. That's such a different skill set. And it has gone wrong at some point. (laughs) All of them, which is why we've been put through boot camp. Which is why you know all of this. Okay, so we have to talk about what is probably your most prolific collaboration to date, which is Jennifer Lopez. So... You guys started working with her in 2011, and it has just been a joy to watch. I feel like I have personally covered your work on a nearly daily basis. I don't understand how you have other clients when you have Jennifer Lopez because of the sheer volume of the work that you have to do. So I'm wondering what it was like in the beginning. How did you guys start? I mean, she is like notoriously selective and tough in a great way and has these amazing standards. What was it like in the beginning? How did you acclimate? We acclimated really well and quick, I think. It was very organic. And I think we just understood her and her drive to be great pushed us to be great. And like, she doesn't skip a beat. We can never skip a beat. In fact, we have to be 10 beats ahead. And sometimes we're running neck and neck with her where, you know, it's like she's also very involved in her costume. So and that's something that I love about working with two legends. It's like they know what they're doing. It's not their first time. They don't just stand there and say whatever you think, which we also love that as well. But they do push us to, you know, to keep raising the bar. And I don't ever remember like having a moment, Rob, where we had to find it for Jen. I feel like we just went in and... It was just on. So you guys have done thousands of looks with Jennifer at this point in time. So do you have a favorite type of project? And also, like, what's the most stressful and what's the most fun? And are they the same or are they different? Oh, good question. Much like our last conversation, we're pretty prepared in general for a lot of this stuff. I think having the time is always, like, important and we don't normally get it. So sometimes, and I I don't mean that with just Jennifer, but in general, like things change, concepts change, like the creatives change, even whether it be music videos or stage performances, it's just like stuff changes. That's never going to be something that I can wrap my head around and be like, yeah, it's cool. It's easy. It's tough. You know, it's hard to morph into that. With that said, that's also the shit that like pushes us to always be prepared and always be ready to roll. I think costumes is really fun. And I think the more music stuff versus red carpet, speaking for myself, ends up being a little bit more creative. There's definitely more guidelines to that. But I think those are always really fun and just super rewarding to like, cheer on your client performing at the Super Bowl, or getting an icon award at the VMAs. Like, 
those kinds of things are stuff that like 20 years ago when we were starting our career, we're just like, how did we end up here? Mm-hmm. I don't think that'll ever get old. Like, yeah, we check ourselves all the time where we're like, you know, on a private plane with JLo and we're like, what the hell are we doing here? <laughs> I have goosebumps. That makes me just like, it's so, you're right. It is so wild. It is. It's like, I'm a kid from Ohio and a kid from Brooklyn. Like, I don't know how we ended up here, but I'm pretty thankful for it. Yeah, that makes sense. So wait, can we talk about the Super Bowl? Because I remember watching it in real time. I obviously follow both of you on social. So I watched all of the lead up. I watched you guys there. I mean, I had just seen Hustlers. Like, I felt like I fully understood, like, where she was in her creative moment at that point in time. So there was a pole routine involved. Like, how did you approach that performance? And if there are any behind-the-scenes stories that you can share, I'm all ears. So that job, we actually did have time. And it went so well, and it was so smooth because I think we were, like, two or three months ahead. And for her, I think that was really important because there was so much preparation, so much rehearsals, so many moving parts, because that's a live show. There's no like cut and you could start over. It's a live show in the middle of a stadium. And she was sharing the stage with Shakira, which isn't a typical thing for her. So there was just a lot of pressure, I would say. And I think, I don't want to speak for Rob, but I felt very secure in that job because we were so organized and so on top of it. And it did help that Versace did all of the costumes. So it was mm-hmm. sort of like a one-stop shop, even for the 120 dancers or whatever the final count wound up being because they kept adding more and more and more at the end. But the design process was you know, she's very involved. We just worked on sketches and we're working through the holidays, which is always tricky as well, because everybody checks out for a minute and then checks back in and then checks out again and check. And then it's New Year's and we're dealing with Italy and for the volume and like the level of job that it was, it seemed so streamlined and so clear and so organized. And I think being organized is such a big part of, you know, making that work where she feels secure. Cause at the end of the day, we need to make her feel secure. So if she's not feeling sure about something like that's when we get stressed, you know, and considering, I think we did really well with handling that job and the level that it was. I mean, I also think about the fact that like, this is not, it's not a hostile environment, but like, this is not a room of her fans necessarily. It's like they're there for the football. So you also have like that on top of it where it's like everything is under a microscope in a different way than if it was like her own performance with her own audience. This was one job that we did have some advance on. We probably worked on it at least the beginning of the creative started, I would say six months earlier. Like we knew she was doing the Super Bowl. We didn't know exactly what it was going to look like or how many songs and those things definitely changed versace also made us extra outfits that we didn't use you know which hopefully we'll still use but you know there was moments when she was opening up the show with shakira and then you know they were both going to do it together and then close together but then like that kind of changed so we had we actually had one of her outfits in two colors because shakira was going to be in red for her opening setup. So we made a red outfit for Jennifer to also start. So like those kinds of things, you know, change, which is kind of a bummer because that outfit was Mm -hmm. amazing. (laughs) 
But, you know, and then adding the kids, like that was something that popped up real close to the to the sort of final days where they were like, we're adding 60 children. <laughs> you know, I was like, what does this look like? And they had to dance also. Those kids were actually like Latin dancing, you know, so you wanted fringe for the movement, but also like young enough for like a seven-year-old to do some salsa moves. But yeah, I think I can't even remember what the final number was. I want to say it was like 160 or 170 looks. And then even with her, like normally when we're doing a show, there's a quick change area in the back and yeah. there's a backstage in here, you're in the round. So like you're seeing it from all four yeah. corners. And the quick changes are happening off the stage, like right on the steps in the middle of the stadium on the grass. How do you layer for something like that? Like, can you tell me like a technical secret of that? Because you don't want to put like 14 costumes on someone. But how do you do that? No, you you do. do. I mean, that's essentially what it is. And then it's how to get it to come off with such ease, but not fall off. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, Velcro, snap, zippers, extra long zipper strings. So somebody in the flashing lights and the music and the smoke can like find it and pull it down in one second. Chaos. So do you guys have specific people who are like trained in that quick art or do you do that? Like, how does that work? Most of the time, like for that, she was on stage doing most of them. So the dancers have to do it. That's entrusted to the dancers? Yeah. Most of the time. When we just did the Vax Live thing, like, it's not us on stage. I mean, sometimes it is, but but no, it's the dancers. You're clearly blowing my mind right now. We also are only rehearsing in these looks, you know, a day before sometimes. So it's not like they've done it a hundred times. They do it five times. Sometimes one time. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, one time for the Vax Live thing. They did it just one time before rehearsals. Wow. (laughs) Okay, so... Speaking of planning and thinking about like the execution of everything, are you already done with Met Gala for Jennifer? Are you thinking about it? Like it's summer. The Met Ball is not that far away. Where are you in the creative process? We're approving sketches. (laughs) Okay. So you have a designer. Yeah. We have a designer. Okay. So that's the big question, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She knows who she's going with. Okay, that makes it easier, right? Yeah, yeah. you yeah. go with someone and you're at their table and so that part is settled. Okay, so that's done. And now you're in the sketch approval process. How long does that take? Before we get to sketches, we kind of go through and we put together inspiration photos kind of based on the theme, based on who the designer is. And I'm sure based on what she's worn and not worn, because like you don't want to repeat sure. yourself. Exactly. But... And then we go back and forth with the designers kind of landing in a place that we feel appropriate to pitch to Jennifer, whoever our client is. And that's where we're at. She like made a couple selects and we have some calls this week. So when do you think that will be finalized? If you had to guess the night before? (laughs) No, because, you know, August fashion kind of shuts down. So I'm assuming most people will want to be in a good place before they go out for the month. It's different for Met too, because a lot of it's custom. Right. So we'll make one or two options, you know, depending on the designer. And then they'll bring other options that are, you know, from previous collections or new collections that nobody's seen yet. She's not getting any previous collection. What are you talking about? No. (laughs) (laughs) But they're there. Yeah. I think for us, like, because of all the things we just talked about, 
red carpets are like such a breeze. Yeah. Because it's kind of like, here's your dress, here's your shoes, enjoy, have fun tonight. We're not backstage sweating if the like tearaway is going to come off. Or if the mic pack is going to fly off, which has (laughs) happened. Oh, man. Right, right. Okay, that makes sense. So at this point in your careers, like anyone you call, any designer, any brand, they're going to answer the phone and be like, what can we do? How do you still find new inspiration? How do you find new designers? Like, do you follow Fashion Week super closely? Where do you get your inspiration at this point? Instagram. Instagram. It's such a different time now. We were like talking about how we've been in this game a long time. Back in the day, we were sending you know, Mandy Moore's press kit over to Chanel with a messenger, you know, and like, that's how you would be a headshot and be like, this is a new singer. Do you want a dresser? And now it's like, you really have direct access to these designers through their Instagrams, which has been really cool for us. And you can kind of break new designers. You can, you know, it makes the world a lot smaller. That makes sense. Okay, so can we talk about your jewelry collection and collaboration with Frey? Because when it hit Instagram, I lost my mind. It is so beautiful. Why did you decide to do this? What pieces did you think were missing in the world? Like, give me the backstory. Tell me what you love about it. I want to know everything. So I think it was the beginning of lockdown and maybe just before that happened Ray had reached out to us to see if we were interested in doing a collab together and we're like awesome diamonds yes of course why not and back to the beginning of the story our bond over jewelry we both love it so much I married a jeweler my grandmother I have pictures of me as a baby in her jewelry like it's just always been a close to home thing and I know same for Rob And like, that's how we bonded. So we've always actually talked about doing something like this together, but it never happened. And this is like a funny little side note story. Rob and I sat at Soho House one day and we're like, let's brainstorm like a jewelry collection that we can do together. And we're pulling all these reference pictures and most of them were my now husband, his jewelry. And the day that we were pulling those pictures is actually the day that we got married like seven years later which is crazy. Wow. So we had also, you know, played around and made one ring before. It was an I Love Me ring. It was sold in Maxfields. It was fun. It was amazing. People really liked it. I think Beyonce wore it. Jen wore it. It was actually a gift for Jen that we just decided to make more of because it's a really thoughtful gift, you know, to remind someone that they should love themselves. And then so anyway, cut to here we are, lockdown, panicking. What do we do? Are we going to ever work again? Is there going to be work again? Let's design some diamonds. (laughs) Very practical. (laughs) Totally. I mean, as I'm saying that, I'm like... (laughs) But a very real response to... I mean, I can't imagine how wild to go from moving at the speed you were moving to such an abrupt stop has to have been the wildest thing you've experienced. Yeah. It was strange, I think, for us too, as a freelancer, there's always fear of like, you know, losing a client. But we always felt like we had job security with like, if you lose somebody, you know, hopefully you pick somebody else up. And our career has kind of done that for us, even in terms of like, so-and-so will go on tour and they're gone for six or eight months. And like, you know, we're fortunate enough to get a new client. The world just kind of like helped us throughout our years with that. 
And it was the first time where I was just like, oh, job security is not a thing. No, <laughs> Like it doesn't matter. And it was scary. We had a team of five people and a tailor. And like, even if we think we're going to make it through, you want to make sure they're set too. It was some scary times. But fortunately for us, we had clients that kind of didn't stop sort of throughout. There was a, you know, definitely a couple months where we were quiet, but we've been pretty fortunate. And I like that you decide to keep yourselves busy by designing this collection. So how many pieces do you have a favorite piece? I know you love them all because you made them. But what do you think that the line really fulfills in terms of what's missing and those holes in the market? I think for us, the most important thing is like we like sort of classic, that kind of like 70s Italian, like pinky rings and in general, kind of chunky gold jewelry. So that was kind of the starting place. It was such a cool opportunity with Bray because they make their own diamonds. So we were able to say like, we want to make this shape diamond. And so we did a classic tennis necklace, which Mariel's wearing right now, or tennis bracelets. Which I'm obsessed with. Thank you. For someone who hasn't memorized it like I have, can you explain the different shapes so that they can get a visual of it? Well, since... They're lab grown. There's like a hexagon and there's like a kite shape and there's a half moon. And the thing that was really interesting about working with them is because they are lab grown, they're building it from scratch. It's still a real diamond. They still anything over a carrot is certified. So they're real diamonds. They're just lab grown, which does a lot for the earth and, you know, carbon monoxide and water and all the like dredging and the dirt and it takes the whole like blood diamond thing out of the equation so that was really important to us as well we just liked what this company stood for and you can create diamonds in different shapes and we normally see them exactly we also went through and we were like we wanted not only to just like make some pretty pieces but we wanted each individual piece to like sort of have a meaning behind it So like Mariel's wearing the shield necklace. So it's actually a diamond in the shape of a shield that we were, you know, we were saying like for strength and there's a promise ring that we made that says contract all the way around it. And then the C's are like half moon shaped diamonds. But yeah, it was a really fun, important thing. And I think like also a jewelry line that both of us can wear, like, you know, I haven't taken this, the gold bullion off that was masculine and feminine and kind of can sit anywhere. It was a really fun project. So you guys are obviously so busy again. What do you want to do next? (laughs) You tell us. Andrea Lieberman makes you have this conversation, I'm guessing. Yes, she does. Yeah. (laughs) Over the past, I would say, 12 years, we've done a lot of consulting with brands and clients with brands. That's been fun. But who knows? Right now, we're still having fun with what we're doing. We still get excited. We still dork out over performances and red carpets. You know, there's always like what's next on the horizon. But right now, we're still having fun doing what we're doing. Oh, you still love being the cream of the crop, stylist, costume designers, (laughs) like working with the most talented people in the world. I'm glad to hear that. I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you so much. This was so cool. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. A huge thank you to my guests today, stylist Rob Zangardi and Marielle Hain. Make sure to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. And while you're there, I would be so grateful if you would rate and review us. 
If you have any guest suggestions or any other feedback, drop us a line at podcast at whowhatwhere.com or you can find us on social at whowhatwhere. See you next Wednesday on Who What Where with Hillary Kerr. This episode was produced by Hillary Kerr and Olivia Capaletti. Editing is by Natalie Thurman and Treehouse Recording in Los Angeles, California. Our music is by Jonathan Leahy. Thank you.